welcome to the Hoosier Football Tailgate here on the Believe Network and sponsored by Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all things sports wagering, NFL, college, you name it. They've got you up to date stats, uh, spreads, and anything that involves sports wagering. Bet Online is where the game starts. Well, the Hoosiers. Took it on the chin to the Michigan Wolverines. I should say the second-ranked Michigan Wolverines this past uh, Saturday up in Ann Arbor in a day that was uh, rainy and dreary as much as the game was. But Indiana came up a little short uh, on their game there. And tonight want to take a little bit of a look at that game uh, a little bit statistically, a little bit from a video standpoint and talk about some of the pros and uh, cons of that game. Uh, You know, uh, there's not going to be many positives out of that ball game uh, being that uh, it was a game that was thoroughly dominated by uh, Michigan in their 52 to seven win. Uh, But uh, there were some positives, I guess you could say uh, for the most part, about a quarter and a half uh, Indiana played pretty, pretty good. Uh, had an early lead seven to nothing. It probably could have been even more had they not turned the ball over down in the red zone there with an interception uh, that was very costly uh, from getting, you know, cause they were at least in a position to get three points, but came away empty on that one, uh, one drive. But overall, uh, outside of that first quarter, quarter and a half, uh, Michigan really kind of steamrolled them there from the, about the latter part of the second quarter all the th- way through the rest of the the game and and uh, rolled up about 400 plus yards of total offense and uh, IU just really only mustered about 232 of total offense. Now, keep in mind. Michigan's defense is the top-ranked defense in the Big Ten. And nationally, I think they're in the top ten nationally, if not in the top five of defenses in uh, the nation. So they were going up against a very, very good defensive football team in Michigan. And defensively, they were going up against a very solid offense that is pretty much balanced when you think about run and pass they do a pretty good job of balancing their offensive production and uh, jj mccarthy is one of those guys that he can uh, really take control of a ball game and get your, get yourself uh, uh, rolling and that's kind of what happened he got a little hot there uh, right there towards the end of the first half and then it continued on into the uh second half as well but you know uh IU had four quarterback sacks most of those again were in the first quarter quarter and a half but they really had Michigan reeling there for a better part of that first quarter and the productivity offensively 
uh, showed some uh, positive uh, outlooks as it pertained to what they were trying to do offensively, mostly from the quarterback's perspective, getting the ball in and out of their hand. They had some creativity, a little bit of imagination in the offense, more so than they've had up to date, uh, utilizing uh, the double pass to uh, get their first score. And, you know, had some good run run production there as well. Um, but overall, um, still not uh, at a level uh, where they can put together four quarters of, of, of a game at a high level. Um, I think Coach Carey alluded a little bit of that today during the, the presser down in Bloomington. Got You're seeing a little bit of this out of their offense, especially at the quarterback play. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about my feelings on rotating uh, Soresby and uh, uh, Jackson in, in this ball game, and kind of how that may or may not uh, have been. Um, the best thing to potentially do, especially on the type of day it was. But um, other than that, when you really look at it, they're just, you know, they're just not at that high level offensively to get uh, a lot of points on the board or garner a lot of yardage. And then the defense, they started back into their old habits of blowing coverage and letting people go down the field wide open. And you just can't do that against the number two ranked team in the country. They're going to, they're going to expose you. And they, they exposed it. They exposed IU on uh, several of those times where they had some breakdowns and JJ McCarthy exposed them and exploited them when they did that. Um, on the day looking at some of the statistical stuff here let's see if i can get this all up and going here um let's see here okay there we go um maybe be able to blow this up a little bit let's go down okay well you can see here a little bit uh uh, from this game and uh, kind of how it sh- shook out, you know, overall uh, 163 yards of rushing for uh, Michigan, which is a pretty good day for IU's defense to hold them to 163 yards. I think they held a uh, uh, quorum to only, I think it was well under a hundred yards, but you can see here out of IU's rushing offense, only 92 yards of rushing 2.8 yards a carry just not good enough you know at least michigan is up to that 4.0 and that's what i talk about the efficiency stuff that's that's kind of the important mark to be at um you know they had a lot of negative yardages in this game 36 overall then you look at the passing game 14 to 29 uh not great with the two interceptions 140 yards and then you can see McCarthy's day, 19 to 22, nearly, nearly perfect, 244 yards. And then, of course, the you know, the differential there in the yardage as well as uh, Michigan was a plus four on the day in the turnover battle, which is, again, against the number one rank, uh, number two ranked team in the country. When you turn the ball over four times in a game, uh, you're going to get uh, pretty uh, – 
exposed uh, when you do those type of things. And also in the special teams, it wasn't great in terms of their coverage. Um, they did have one inside the 20. Um, but uh, other than that, um, overall, you know, the two big interceptions for 66 yards in return. One of them was, like I said, inside the, I believe it was down there around the 15, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, you just can't be careless with the football there. And especially when you know you're going to get points or potential points out of it, be it even that, even though it may have just been a field goal, you still got to be good with the football and you can't, uh, uh, put yourself in a position where you're not getting points when you get down there. Big differential in the time of possession. Uh, IU was about 40% on the day uh, on third down conversions. Uh, uh, Michigan close to 50% and then two for two on fourth down. And then here's the big category too when you look at this is uh, red zone, you know, Seven of seven in the red zone. That's pretty darn good. Uh, six of those were touchdowns. Um, that's a pretty good days of work uh, down there um, for them. Uh, Michigan then, uh, statistic-wise, defensively, Casey had another strong game, as did Moore. Um, you know, Carr had a great day. He had two sacks on the day. I thought he was very productive in that in everything, as was Miles Jackson. Again, those two guys seem to uh, play pretty good uh, against that Michigan offense, offensive line, which is very stout. You know, overall, I thought they played pretty decently uh, in that regard. And then into the um, some stats here as it pertains to starting position. And it's pretty obvious here when you look at it. Um, Indiana in that first quarter, even though their average field position was their own 24, productivity-wise, they had the ball for nine, uh, almost 10 minutes in that first quarter, four or six on, thir on third downs. And, you know, they got seven points. But when you look at this field position on the day, averaging starting field position was uh, their own 23. Uh, that ain't, that's not good when you're having to try to drive the ball consistently 77 yards, 80 yards uh, to get points. You just, it's just not very good. And then if you flip it over and you look at Michigan's day, um, they started the third quarter and four, uh, third quarter uh, from their 46. Uh, I use 46, but most of the day they were getting the ball with a short field and it ended up being uh, at the 45 on average for the day. And that right there is a huge, huge differential when you look at it from a uh, yardage perspective. You're talking a negative 22 yards. Uh, in uh, field position that IU uh, was uh, behind Michigan's. And that tells you a big story, too, why it was 52-7. to seven. When you have short fields, man, it's tough to defend. And uh, some of that was created by fumbles, as you can say, like, you know, three possessions, fumble, fumble, interception is how they obtained it. I mean, right there is a big 
part of that uh, third quarter and into the fourth quarter uh, that ultimately led to field guild and two touchdowns. Um, just kind of shows you right there. It's going to be a tough day when you're not getting the greatest of field positions to start uh, from that standpoint. Some of the things that I looked at here, um, you know, I use first drive three plays and, a, and amassed, amassed a negative one yard of total offense. Now, you look at Michigan, their first three plays – wasn't great either. They went three plays and out and a negative 11. Then I use big drive came here with a 12 play 60 yard drive. But you can see some of these things here. You got um, um, a 10 yard pickup, a 15 yard pickup. Those are some chunk plays down, down here. Um, you get down here to the penalty again that's causing IU some problems. Now they overcame this one. Uh, they didn't overcome this one because the very next play, IU was in a third and seven. They get called for a false start. Now it's third and 12. You got the ball at the 16 yard line. The biggest thing for a quarterback mentality here is don't do anything that's going to prevent you from lining up and at least kicking a field goal. And what ends up happening, they throw an interception and uh, they returned at 38 yards. And then um, nothing came of that uh, pickup uh, there. And then IU came back again and got their first touchdown on the double pass from McCauley to uh, Lucas on 44 yards. We'll look at some of this on film, but seven plays, 77 yards, good solid drive uh, for IU and Michigan. Again, very limited. You know, Quorum was only getting a, a you know, here, here's another sack that IU was able to get uh, after that score. And, um, you know, the reality of it is there, if you don't throw a pick, the, the probability you could have been up 10 zip on, on the number two ranked team there in the first quarter, uh, in that first quarter that I, you pretty much had a pretty commanding control over. Then you go into the second quarter and Michigan ties it up on 11 play drive, um, two big chunk plays there by Corum and Johnson. Um, and then IU comes back, only a five-play drive. Um, turn it over, then, you know, here we go. 11-play drive, 87 yards. This cannot happen. You, can, I mean, you at least make them earn it in that regard. But, you know, this is where you need to get a stop and get the ball back. Um, but in that drive, here's third and six, 23-yard gain on third and six. And that was the pass play. He was completely wide open on it. Um, and then, again, 14 yards, 18 yards to Barner. Like to have him, wouldn't you? Transfer from IU. And then, all in all, it leads to their second touchdown. And as you can see, IU comes back, goes three and out again. 
and only a negative six yards in that regard. And Michigan drives it down six plays, 46 yards. You have the big play to Edwards for 16. And they took over this play on the 46-yard line, as you can see here, but six plays, 46 yards, and so forth and so on. And, you know, those are the things that, that make it difficult on you as a football team when you are struggling and your field position is not helping you. And uh, you're giving short fields to a number, the number two ranked team in the country, one of the top offenses in the country. And, uh, you know, they, they put it on you that way. So things really got away from IU there in that latter part of the second quarter and giving up the scores that they did. Um, Michigan scored, I think, what? 52 unanswered points after that uh, first quarter for the most part. Um, just a, a day that uh, started off in pretty decently and turned to real bad uh, from that standpoint on. Uh, but we'll take a look here in a second at um, some video. And when you really look at this, honestly, you know, when you're playing the number two ranked team in the country and you know man for man, they probably have you at every spot for that most part. And that game was going to come down to what could Michigan do that would help Indiana. And in that first quarter, you saw some of that. You saw a sputtering offense that wasn't very good at the start. They had get, they gave up two or three sacks. Uh, IU had a couple drives. Now they turned the ball over on one, got the touchdown on the other. And, uh, but Michigan was going to have to do a lot more than just what they did in that first half to help IU along, you know, turn the ball over, which they didn't uh, provide good field position uh, for IU, which they didn't. They did not really give up any major chunk plays other than the one big one there to uh, Jalen on the 44 yard touchdown pass. I think they had IU had Five plays that were 15 yards or more. Michigan had at least eight that were 15 yards or more, either run or pass. And um, so you were just going to have to have a lot of things that come that Michigan was going to have to do to help you along on the day. IU didn't run the ball very effectively. And uh, when you can't run the ball very effectively, uh, against that type of defense, uh, you're going to get one-dimensional and all of a sudden you're putting the ball in the air too many times and you're putting yourself in a position where two young quarterbacks aren't going to uh, do the right things all the time. And that that really showed their their youthfulness showed pretty good in that second quarter and then for about the rest of the game. But in that, you know, I know there's been some talk here of late about this two quarterback system that uh, they went back to here with Soresby and Taven. And I think um, Coach Carey kind of alluded to the reasoning behind that is that, you know, there was no really true productivity coming from Taven in the games that he had started. And um, they were trying to find whether or not 
uh, playing two of them that one of them would rise to the top and, and, and take the bull by the horns, so to speak. But these are some of the challenges they faced all the way dating back to some of the last spring into the fall camp. Neither one of them as a young quarterback has really stepped forward and really uh, taken advantage of the opportunity. And there's some things that have prohibited that too, as well, in all fairness, the offensive line and some of that respect. And then you have a change of coordinators and, you know, those things don't help that situation, but I've never been opposed to playing two quarterbacks. Um, sometimes it becomes a feel thing as who goes in when um, maybe determines on who's playing well or how that's going. But um, I think the reality of the matter is, is they're going to have to look at it differently now uh, at that position is how does that position Inter, intertwine with the run game. And in some respects, I think that's where Soresby probably gives you a little bit better quarterback run scenarios than Taven does. And um, I do believe that Soresby has a, a pretty good arm as well, strong arm. And But because the way he can run the football – and it showed a couple times during this game that I got a feel that maybe going with Soresby may be the right answer because of what IU lacks in the run game. And um, there's where I think Soresby maybe has a little bit of an edge over Taven at this point. Taven is a good quarterback. He's got a really good arm. He's more of a pro pro type uh drop back throw it type of guy um but right now his throwing has not uh been overly productive he's not made some good decisions with the ball um at times i think there are times where he's trying to do too much um in the pocket and overthinking the throws um couple throws on saturday it really showed in that regard but I think Soresby right now gives you a little bit better um, options to utilize in the run game and the quarterback run stuff that you can script in and utilize to offset um, what you may lack with a Henderson or Jalen back there. I know that Henderson's coming back this week. I think that's what they said. So, We'll have to see what that uh, evolves into here. Um, the first half of the season's over. They finished two and four, not where they wanted to be. If you go back and really look at it, um, you know, they got the one versus Akron and Indiana State, even though the Akron game was an overtime game that Indiana probably should not have won, but they found a way to do it. You know, they lost to um, – um, a really good Ohio State team. They've lost to a Maryland team that now has stumbled twice as they lost to Illinois here this past weekend, which was a pretty good upset in my opinion. So, you know, there's two losses that they ha that they have. They lost to Michigan. So you've two of their losses were to two top five programs. And you throw Maryland into the mix, who was in the top 15, I believe at the time in the country. Um, so you're playing, you've lost three games to top tier uh, 
programs in that regard. And so when you sit back and look at it, this first half, two and four, um, the Maryland game, you wish he probably had back in some regards, but um, the best they were going to hope for coming out of that was going to be three and three. Maybe if the dice falls well, you're four and two. Um, but they lost to Louisville when they had a chance. Had they not been able to, you know, they weren't able to find a way to get the ball in the end zone from the freaking two yard line. So um, there's a game that they should have won. So the reality of it is they're probably no better than three and three. And they're two and four now. So you you put that on the back burner and you focus here on the next six ball games. You got Rutgers coming in this weekend. Then you have Penn State. Then after that, you've got um, was that four or five games left there to really figure out what all is going to be the uh, overall record for Indiana on the year. Rutgers is a big game. There's a lot riding on that game as it pertains to potential bull bids. And uh, the only way they can potentially get there is to beat Rutgers on Saturday. We'll talk a little bit more about that. But when you look moving forward, offense, you got to they got to find a run game. However, they do that, whether it's with Soares being there and finding ways to utilize his abilities in the quarterback run stuff as, as well as Henderson and what they give you in Lucas. Passing game-wise, it has to be quick. It has to be some play-action pass. It's got to be boots and things of that nature. The offensive line is just not geared up to be a team that's going to drop back and run developing routes down the field too much you're not going to run the conventional usa route of a post dig uh cross route and and get a lot of success out of it but that's what they got to be moving forward here these last uh six games and i don't necessarily think it's possible to play two quarterbacks by not saying it's not unheard of um whatever gives you the best chance to win and however that looks whether it's one guy or two guys so be it uh quarterback you know garners all the attention but you can see that they play multiple receivers they play multiple people up front sometimes and it's a production-based uh business you know if you're not producing as a player or playing good you're not you're not going to get that many snaps i mean it's just the reality of the situation and right now at quarterback neither one of them are doing all that great now dexter williams is kind of the guy that is in the background right now i know that he's steadily coming along i think they even took him on the trip and was possibly could use him as an emergency uh situation so there leads some positive uh situations there on maybe him coming back into the fray here as they move on down the road but we'll have to wait and see on that but if they've got they've got to find a way to run the ball and then utilize the passing game with quick passes, get the ball in and out of the hands of the quarterback to help out those offensive uh, linemen as it kind of goes. But take a quick look at some of these um, uh, highlights from Saturday just here. Let me see if I can get her back up here. Okay. Um, 
and we'll let some of this run its course, but kind of one of the first plays of the game here. Here's a good example of getting the ball in and out of your hands uh, from an offensive perspective. Quick game, good throw, good catch, second and five there, moving the chains uh, down the road. Here's the one that I just, you know, this is after the penalty, and uh, I want you to watch this guy right here. I think that may be Jalen here. You got a tight end that's going to come out here and kind of run a hard set. He's going to end up running a seam route, and I think he's got him for a touchdown up here that he misses. And I'm not sure who he was throwing to here because if he's throwing to the tight end, it's a horrible ball. And if he's throwing to him, it's a horrible ball because it was so badly underthrown. But if you look at this, protection-wise, not too bad. You talk about that bowl that you like to get in here. That's not bad. But I'm not sure where he's throwing the football here. I mean, that's the whole thing that I don't understand. Where are you going, bud? I mean, look at this throw. I mean, this is a touchdown. You can't tell me he hasn't made these throws. He has. And I just think in that situation, he should be thinking for the most part, Right here, you know it's a man-free set. They're rotating this way. He's kind of playing the inside, inside. This is a backer. You know, he's going to have him over the top, man. Let her eat. And that's a touchdown. I mean, to me, that's more of a miss. That's more of an MA than anything on that particular play um, for for him. Now, here's uh, Soresby in the game. This is a nice job here. They're they're going to run a boot into this naked here, and I would assume the reality of this is you'd like to get get out of this. You got two coming off the edge, and this is not looking good from the start, but he does a good job there of faking it and then getting up the field and getting what he can. Nice little play there to get the positive yardage. Here's a little quick screen out to Jalen. Again, good timing, quick throw, good blocking on the outside until this guy gets turned and he's got to stay square against that against that defender. Don't get turned. And here's the double pass. This was almost <laughs> he almost threw this into the dirt. And McCauley does a good job of getting his hands underneath it and make and throwing a strike uh, to Jalen there and uh, making a nice, nice throw and catch. And this is kind of from behind. Again, nice job out there by Bamba and uh, the other wide receiver there uh, making, protecting like they had. Okay, Michigan comes back. Good protection. This is just a heck of a throw. I use kind of doing a different type of coverage there, and he uh, rips it in between the corner and the safe. There's not much you can say there. Here's a pretty innovative play. They're going to take the wide receiver. They've got their full tight end unit in the ball game, kind of an unbalanced situation, and they use the wide out to run an isolation play for a big 10-yard gain there. So good play by Michigan. 
And then down here, I mean, this is what you talk about of having a mentality on the goal line. They run a blast play and he's, you know, basically untouched uh, going into the end zone. Here's kind of the replay of it. It's basically down block, down block. He's going to come and kick out. He's going to, this guy's going to lead through and it's six points. Good job by the fullback there. Not very good by the safety filling in the hole there. Now, here's one. I don't know how this guy gets this wide open. When you look at this, they're kind of playing a man free. So they're man to man. And that corner at the top, I don't know if he just kept running, but this wide out, I mean, there's 15 yards between him and the next guy. You know, that's the tough part on that one. So that wasn't good. Here comes a kind of a double move scenario where they're kind of what we call a sluggo route at the top. This guy's going to run a slant and go. It's actually defended pretty well. And then this is just a mismatch in height and size, and he throws back shoulder, and they make a play. Not much he can do there from the wider receiver standpoint. Again, okay, here's the goal line play. This is fourth and goal. Okay, it's a 7-7 ball game. This is a big play in the game. Their man. <laughs> Their man. I mean, you can see this guy's got him. He's got him. He's got him. He's got the back. He's got him. Two of these guys are going to come wide open. These guys, I have no idea what they're doing. These guys are dropping as if it's zone. I mean, that's bad. I mean, it's going to be tough the way they run this and orchestrate this play because he's going to come in motion and go. So you're going to have to have some type of switch off call here to really get it covered. But these guys both turn, don't move, and they go this way. And this guy comes right over here. And this guy comes right over here. And he had his choice of either one of them. I mean, it's not even close. That, to me, is a head-scratcher. That's kind of the deer-in-the-headlight scenario playing in front of 100,000 people. Here's the punt return that really cost them. 14-7, to less than two minutes left in the half. Good kick. You're down here, and you got to make a play. He overruns him. Keep him on your inside shoulder. So he overruns him. He's out of it. This guy's got to make the play. Nope. So that player alone right there sets up their next their next score essentially. And uh again, there's sometimes on here where kids make plays, you know, they don't know what they're doing, but here's a perfect call. You're bringing a extra body from this side to make the play. He's got to make the play. He doesn't make the play. And next thing you know, McCarthy's scooting out. He sees the tailback. He shoves it forward and gets it down to the two. 
And again, they just run that blast play um, to get the next, you know, next points on it. Third quarter, this will be the last one I show you here. Again, I use running man coverage or man free, essentially. He's, you know, he's got him. Looks like he's going to swap with this guy. So stay in coverage. Okay. So everything's good here. Stay in coverage, young man. Stay in coverage. Stay in coverage. JJ even tells him to go deep. Stay in coverage. He just passes him off and comes up like he's going to make the play. Dude, you're, tw- you're, you're, you know, you're essentially eight yards away from it. And he lets him go. There's nobody left. And that's a cheap score. That's a hard pill to swallow. That type of play right there is a hard pill to swallow uh, in that type of game with that scenario there, giving up a cheap score like that. And that is not coaching. That, that's a player that's doing his own thing. That's not playing and reading his keys. His man responsibilities was to cover Loveland, cover him. If he goes to get a concession, goes to the concession stand to get a Coke and a hot dog, you go there and buy it for him. You don't fall off of him in man coverage and let him go down the field wide open. That's not coaching. That's mental. That's somebody's not doing their job. And that's some of the things that you see with some of these mistakes. And I understand that, you know, everybody wants to point that finger to the coaching staff at times, but um, that right there is not a coaching problem. That's a player problem that's not doing his responsibility. And I guarantee you all week defensively when they said we're in man coverage, stay in coverage, stay in coverage, stay in coverage. And they, he gets caught with his eyes in the backfield, 88 out the gate. JJ McCarthy's directing traffic tells his big tight end Loveland to go deep and he hits him in stride. And next thing you know, it's 28 to seven, you know? So you can see some of these things that I use facing right now is some youthfulness. It's some guys that are trying to do too much. There's some guys that have to understand you have to trust the other 10 guys out on the field with you. And you cannot try to make up for somebody else that you think's making a mistake because that ultimately compounds the situation. So you got six games left. You got Rutgers coming in. We'll take a look at them on Thursday, but you know, Realistic goal for them the rest of the year, these last six games, four and two, get your six wins, get into a bowl game, maybe go five and one. If you get yourself on a hot streak and you start feeling like you can beat everybody, who knows what can happen. But you got Rutgers, then you go to Penn State, and then you come back and you you got some teams that you've got to feel like you've got opportunities to win those games. But you have to play at a high level and you can't be making the same old mistakes and mistakes again that compound the situation because that's what you're seeing right now. So we're going to take a, an approach that, you know, first half the season's done, you rinse it, you, you, you throw it away. It's you're two and four. You can't do anything about it. It's what you do from this point going forward with six games left in the season and they can get themselves potentially into bowl eligibility 
if they can do some of these simple things and small things and think about, about what they're doing and uh, get themselves going as a football team. They got good players. They got kids that can make plays. Coaches have to put them in the positions to make plays. I believe they can do that. Now it's time for these kids to step forward now. There's no more excuses. There's no more I'm a rookie. You just graduated. You're, you know, you're a sophomore, you're a junior, you're a fifth year senior, whoever you want to put it, you know, uh, put on your big boy pants and play some big time football. So we'll take a look at Rutgers and Coach Shiano and what he's done in a short period of time to get his club into uh, a pretty good situation. They beat Michigan State coming from behind this past Saturday. So they've got a lot of, of, um, positive uh, energy coming into Bloomington this Saturday. They got a pretty darn good quarterback that I use really going to have to uh, devise a defensive scheme for him and, and, and try to eliminate, eliminate his ability as that, uh, you know, running and throwing type of quarterback that he is. So we'll take a look at Rutgers on Thursday. I want to thank you for joining me here tonight. Thanks again to bet online for their sponsorship of the Hoosier football tailgate here on the believe network. Remember use promo code believe B L E A V and you can get up to 50% on your first deposit with believe uh, Remember they are the number one source for all things, sports wagering, Bet online is where the game starts. Well, thank you again for joining me here again on the Hoosier Football Tailgate. I am the coach, Shannon Griffith. We'll catch you on Thursday night. Good night, everybody.